Kiora. Welcome to Baptist People. My name's Charles Hewlett. And I'm Catherine Heslop. In our roles as National Leader and Executive Advisor within the Baptist Churches of New Zealand, we daily have the privilege of bumping into interesting people. These podcasts give us the opportunity to introduce them to you and to let them shape us as we endeavour to bring gospel renewal to people and places. In conversation, we explore something of their story. Why do we find them so interesting? What are they giving their lives to? Where does the motivation come from? We reflect together on both the highs and lows of their journey. Thanks heaps for taking the time to listen in today. This week I'm speaking with a friend, Scott, who works as an engineer at Rocket Lab. We talk about the pressures that a lot of men face between work and home. He shares a bit of his own experience from the early years of his career when he was a new father, and we talk about the loneliness that a lot of men journey through during those years. Well, um, Scott, it's not very often I get to talk to someone who builds rockets for a living. It's all pretty exciting. Um, perhaps we could start with, with that. T- tell me a little bit about this. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I work at Rocket Lab. I've been there for a few years now, and it's, um, yeah, it's a really cool place to work. I'm pretty lucky to work with a bunch of very, very clever people and to be part of some pretty incredible projects. Um, we're actually on a bit of a high this week after the success of the Capstone mission. Yeah, yeah um, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So that mission was all about um, setting a satellite in orbit around the moon for NASA um, with their Artemis program. So for my team in particular, we played quite a uh, reasonable role in supporting with the development of the engine that was on um, on that platform. Yep. Um, so we're really, really proud of uh, the yeah. achievement this week. Scott, I'm really keen to talk with you because, because you're a dad, <laughs> really. Um, yeah, you're a dad with three young kids. Um, yeah, maybe maybe from the start, it'd be good to, to know a little bit about your family situation. So yes, um, I am a dad. We have three kids. Our oldest son is 13, our daughter is 11, and we have a nine-year-old boy. I'm married to Catherine. Yes. Um, um, and um, yeah, I mean, our, our kids, they're super cool. They're um, into sailing and surfing, football and cricket. So for Catherine and myself, uh, we spend most of our spare time on the weekends taking the kids to sports and social events. Yep. Catherine and I have been married for about 17 years now. Uh, we've known each other since we were kids. Uh, we both grew up in the same small town in rural Waikato, and we even went to the same school and youth group together, which is really cool. Wow. Yeah, lovely. Well, I probably need to say that, that I work uh, closely with Catherine. So I do know who you're talking about when you when you mention uh, mention her name. <laughs> yeah, Scott, there's, there's there's so much pressures on husbands and fathers, you know, these days, and um, you know, establishing a career, starting a family, living on one income, uh, being present and supportive husband. Um, yeah, can I say having to live with Catherine as well? Oh my goodness, <laughs> how, how have you personally um, felt these pressures yourself? Um, yeah, so I should probably say something funny about being married to Catherine here, but um, I'm pretty sure she gets to hear the full recording, so I won't. Yeah, yeah I think there are huge pressures on me, and I think it can be hard for us to put into words or even put our finger on what those things actually are. Uh, in my own life and in some of my really close male friends, I can see that a lot of men are very busy, 
they're very tired and they're running pretty close to empty. I think our society and our work environments condition us to just constantly be on the go. And even though we don't mean for it to happen, it leads us down this path in our lives where we end up trading relationships and intimacy and connection with people for busyness and progress. I think when you look around, a lot of men appear strong and content, but in reality, it's like they're actually completely malnourished emotionally. And despite of all of the uh, busyness of their lives, they'd say they find it really hard to open up with people or with God. Yeah. Um, so this is this has definitely been true for me. And looking back, it really started in the early years of our marriage when we were living on only my income. Uh, Catherine was studying at the time. And after a few few years, we had kids. And so that period of being on only one income extended out to about eight or nine years. And so there was this pressure that I really felt as a man that when things are tough financially, when you strip everything back, first and foremost, you have to put bread on the table. You have to put a roof over your kid's head. And if that means that you have to work long hours and carry that burden, so be it, because it's a noble cause. Um, And I think this pressure is something that most dads go through at some point in their lives. And it's a point for a lot of men where they feel stuck in a job that they don't enjoy, or maybe they are feeling the stress of job security or a pressure to progress. And this can lead to things like depression or loneliness or feeling frustrated Or as in my case, this downward spiral where you just can't get a good night's sleep. So when our oldest son was um, a little boy, I worked in the America's Cup. We purchased our own house and Catherine was working part-time so that we could meet the mortgage payments. I was working really long hours and I remember just being so incredibly tired all the time. Life was pretty much just work and parenting and we didn't really have much time for much else. Um, I remember a lot of times when I would be driving home from work and this thought would come into my mind to just keep driving past home. (laughs) Um, You know, just kind of like, just keep going, just disappear and leave it all behind. You know, like go to an airport and just fly away to another country or fly down to the South Island. Um, And this was no reflection on how much I love Catherine or the kids or anything like that. But there was just this genuine pull to, to sort of just run away from the pressure. Yeah. And I think um, uh, for, for men, if they are feeling this way, the switch between work and home can actually be really tough. Um, maybe you're a farmer or you're a person who gives people insurance advice, or maybe you're a tradie building roofs for a living. Whatever it is, you typically have this different mode or mindset to when you're at home. Um, When you're at work, you take on this different persona. You're kind of in work mode, getting the job done. And if you're heading into work with an emotional tank that's kind of only half full to begin with, then coming home empty, um, instead of being this awesome, supportive husband and fun-loving dad, you can get stuck in this place where you know you're giving your best to people who don't really matter to you. And the people you care about just end up getting scrappy leftovers. But it's kind of like when you're in that place, you can feel really powerless to change it. 
Yeah, so eventually we got to the end of the America's Cup and my job came to an end. And that was okay because I was, um, you know, planning to go on to short-term contracts after that because the Cup was a seasonal thing. Mm. But when it came time and with the stress of mortgage payments, I looked around at other people who seemed to be doing so much better. And I remember just feeling like a total failure as a man, barely able to keep up with the bills. Um, and this, this was like a seed that kind of took root in my mind. And unfortunately, it stuck and it grew and grew. And I ended up going through a burnout and I ended up losing so much self-confidence. And I had this massive social anxiety um, to the point that, you know, even talking with you like I am now would have been just about impossible. And this actually lasted for quite a few years. So at church this week, by chance, the guy who was speaking shared this really cool quote. It's from a book called Invitation to Silence and Solitude. And I think it sums it up quite well. It goes like this. When we are dangerously tired, we don't feel much of anything, good or bad. On some level, we suspect that if we did stop long enough to experience our emotions, we might be overcome with feelings we'd rather not feel. Sadness over past or present losses, desperation regarding aspects of their life or character that seem unfixable. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Scott. You've been very, um, you've been very open with us there, and um, I, you know, I, I appreciate that. As a, as a, as a dad, as a father, and in a busy role, there are many things there that, uh, yeah, I can relate to. You know, you. you you're driving home from work eh, and your head's so full, you just hope there's nothing bad's happened at home because, you know, you just you just can't cope. And, yeah. and you walk in the door eh, and just hope that everything's going to be um, be okay. Um, the interesting part of your story was spending some time living in Dubai. In fact, I, I think yeah, you shifted over there with, with quite a young family. And I know there was quite a strong sense of call from, from God to do so. But, but yeah, then there was a bit of questioning about that, that call. I'd love to hear a little bit about that part of your life and, and maybe you know, what did that teach you about your, your relationship with God? Yeah, sure. So we ended up spending a total of about five years in Dubai and it was just a really cool time yeah. of being our own family unit away from all of the pressures and external voices. And it gave us a chance to really just focus on us as a family. But for me in particular, this was on the back of that burnout. I was still really low on confidence. Right. Up until that point, I was struggling with financial pressures and I went to Dubai, to be honest, not out of a strong leading by God, but more out of desperation. Right. Um, there was this opportunity job-wise and I thought, I'm going to take it. Um, but as you said, in, in the process, there are a lot of people warning me against it. Um, they had strong opinions on why I shouldn't. And I just felt like, well, hey, Put yourself in my shoes. What am I supposed to do here? And so I was flying over to Dubai for the job interview and feeling super conflicted about what to do. And to be honest, my relationship with God was not particularly strong at that time. Yep. Um, I was tired. Yep. I was feeling like this kind of hollow version of myself. But even at your worst, you kind of still talk to God. And I remember saying something along the lines of, God, I don't know if this is the right thing to do or not. I don't know if it's you. I'm heading over to this Muslim country. And as a man, I'm thinking of taking my family into it. Please just be with me. Mm. 
Um, and you know that scene when Samson is in the Philistine arena, he's um, he's been captured, he's shackled up, and he's facing the reality of the fact that he's actually used all of his strength on all of the wrong things, and that's led him to where he is now. But he still calls out to God anyway, knowing that God would be totally justified to actually just ignore him. That's pretty much how I was feeling in that situation. Well, um, yeah, this, this bit's really cool. Literally, um, I was about to hop on the plane um, to head out to this arid desert land. I got this yeah. notification on my phone. I must have accidentally turned on notifications from the Bible app, and it was letting me know about the verse of the day. Um, so this <laughs> message, after kind of praying that little prayer, this message popped up on my phone, and it was from Jeremiah 31. It goes like this. It says, they found grace out in the desert. These people who survived the killing. Israel out looking for a place to rest. Meet God out looking for them. God told them, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love and more love. And so now I'll start over with you and build you up again. So, um, wow, yes. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, we ended up moving over there with three kids under six, um, which seems pretty crazy. Um, and that time for me was just um, just a period of rebuilding. I met some really great guys over there. Um, only one of them was actually a Christian. A couple of them were Muslim. And I really feel like God brought those guys into my life at a time where I really needed to rebuild. They were just good guys who were fun. Um, they accepted each other the way they are. So it was really about slowing life down and just kind of creating connections. Like God kind of rebuilt me in this unconventional way. Um, but the thing I really point out was those friendships with those other guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, just, just listening to you talk, you know, because being a guy... Um, and I know you've touched on this a little bit, but being a guy, can, you, it can be lonely at, at times eh? in, in this busyness of life. And I mean, when the reality of everything kicks in, is that something you've, you've experienced over the years? Loneliness? What, is, what would that look like for you? Yeah, it definitely is something I've experienced. Um, loneliness is this really painful thing. And it comes from feeling disconnected from the kind of relationships that are meant to feed us. Um, it's possible to be surrounded by people and feel completely alone. Equally, it's possible to be alone and feel no loneliness. But the scary thing is how many men are feeling affected by this. It's huge. I read that at least 62% of men right now describe themselves as lonely. And over the age of 45, one in three would describe themselves as chronically lonely. During high school or uni, generally speaking, I think both men and women are pretty good at valuing friendships and, you know, investing in them. But when they head out and start a trade or, or a career, women tend to do a pretty good job at continuing those relationships. But men usually put them aside in pursuit of careers or fulfilling ambitions or simply the reality of having to provide. There's this article called The Epidemic of Male Loneliness. It talks a bit about this, and there's also evidence that suggests that loneliness has serious health risks 
and maybe as bad as smoking in terms of cardiovascular disease and stroke. There will be guys listening to this, I'm sure, that can relate to what you've just been talking about then, uh, uh, Scott. What, what would you say to them? I'm really interested to know. What, what would you say to them if, they, if someone was feeling lonely right now? Well, um, I, I don't feel like a huge expert on this, but I'm going to assume this person listening is also struggling with some of the other things too, because for me, loneliness was tied up with tiredness, depression, and low self-confidence. You yeah. really couldn't separate those things. Right. So first of all, the thing I'd say is don't give up on God. I know a lot of good guys out there who are a bit beaten up by life and their faith is kind of hanging on by a thread at the moment and you can see it. There's this moment described in Matthew 5 when Jesus was up on this hill and it's kind of like one of those first big public moments and he addresses the crowd with, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Basically, God cares about those who are feeling spiritually poor, alone, and empty. So if you're that guy, you may not feel in a great place with God, but that doesn't mean you can't still talk honestly with him. From my own experience, the next thing I'd say is a bit of a practical, um, practical thing. If you're in a negative pattern of bad sleep or waking in the middle of the night with stress, you need to address that first. You can't expect your mind and your spirit to be in a good place when you're thrashing your body. It needs good food, needs good sleep, and lots of water. For me, actually drinking a lot of water has been something that's really um, sort of unlocked some of the other things. Just improving the food that I eat and just drinking so much more water has helped big time. And then thirdly, if you are all work and no play, say yes to more things. And go into them with the expectation that you're going to have a good time, good conversation or a good laugh. If you're going to church, go with the expectation that you are going to connect with God. Don't just be anonymous and sort of lip sync to the worship while you're actually thinking about work. Your spirit needs water too. And this is one of the best times to be drinking. If you're struggling to connect with God, tell him. And then the last thing I'd say is be honest with yourself about the trajectory that your life is on right now. Do you need to make a course correction? If you had a time machine and an older version of yourself was able to come back and speak to you now, what would he say really matters? What would he tell you that you're wasting your strength on? Are you giving the relationships that really matter the weight that they deserve? You do have control over how you engage in work and how you allow it to affect your life. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, you're talking to me, Scott. So that's great. So thank you for, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, we talked about a lot of the hard things, but, but I'd love to, you know, I mean, I need to ask you a positive question, I, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. You know, as, as a husband, as a father, what are some of the things that, are, that, are, that bring you joy? Yeah, um, this is um, this is a really cool question. Um, you know, the thing I really want to be is a good husband and a good father, and I kind of see it as if there was if there was just one thing I could do well in my life, it would be it would be that. Um, so I guess the thing that brings me joy is those moments as a dad when you're seeing your kids growing up into these healthy, caring, good little humans. 
Um, and similar with being a husband, knowing that there have been plenty of years where I probably haven't been, um, you know, easy to live with. I love those moments where we're able to just have fun yeah. and be ourselves and um, kind of grow old together. Although, Catherine, I'm not saying you're growing old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment, uh, Scott. Comment. <laughs> I'm growing old. <laughs> A lot of people listening to this will be will be leaders, uh, will be pastors, uh, will be chaplains, you know, um, perhaps responsible for, for leadership within a church. Any suggestions what a church might do to support guys, um, you know, in, in their faith, uh, in their life journey? Yeah, so I think what we really need at the moment as men is community. So part of that for those um, yep. I guess in church is about yep. being authentic and trying to promote that culture of engaging with each other. If you're speaking from the stage, um, do so authentically, speak in plain English, just be normal and, you know, just, just sort of be yourself because um, that's what men need to be able to connect with. Men more than ever need connection with God and they need connection with each other. We're starved of intimacy and intimacy starts with the sharing of truth. But for most men, it helps if there's some kind of history together. So I think things like going to the rugby, playing snooker down at the pub or catching up early for breakfast before work. These yeah. are really good things to just yeah. kind of build that history together. Yeah. And you've really got to do it frequently. The thing I'd say is men don't connect face to face. They connect when they're shoulder to shoulder. Huh. Um, so recognize that there is an epidemic of tiredness and loneliness that a lot of men are going through at the moment. Focus on building deep connections, especially intergenerationally. For me in my younger years, I was really fortunate to be a part of a church where there were a few older men who spoke things into my life and those words have anchored me through some of the tougher times. The way those men modeled what it meant to be a God-loving man has provided a bit of a moral compass for me. If you're an older man in church, be that voice of encouragement. Yeah. Cool. Our time's uh, gone, Scott. This is a really important topic. So thank you again. Um, you've been very honest with us. You've been um, transparent with us, but I think quite challenging as well. Um, so, so thanks. Thanks for challenging us and encouraging. Um, Catherine is, is, is clearly a very lucky person now to have you as, as your husband. <laughs> I'll let her know tomorrow when I see her at work. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks heaps, Scott. Take care. God bless Thank you. you.